This program has been brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. As I bring this message this morning from Ephesians chapter 2, and you may want to turn to that, Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to look at the first 10 verses there. As I bring this message this morning, it may clear up some of the problems that we're having. The title of this message is How to Have Personal Revival. Now, there's an old saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. And uh, the truth that I'm going to be speaking about this morning Sometimes it can be hard to get your mind around. It has nothing to do with your intelligence. It's just the way you look at things. And so I've learned if you can find a simple picture that will illustrate a profound truth, you'll have more people walk away understanding it. So these pictures that you'll see as I go through my outline this morning in this message, these pictures, you see, they're very simple pictures, very simple But if you'll look at them, listen to the Word preached, listen to the words from God's Word, you're going to be able to see something maybe you've never seen before. The Bible tells us, number one, I want us to look at three things here. Number one, we need to look at who we were. And then we want to look at what God did. And then we want to look at who you are now. If you're a child of God, there's something very beautiful that has happened to you whether you know it or not. Now... What we were, my friend, we were born in Adam. If you were to trace your family back, if if you could possibly do this, you can't, but if you could trace it all the way back, each one of us, no matter what color you are, each one of us would all go back to the first man, Adam. We all came from Adam. The human race came from Adam. If your grandfather had died before he got your grandmother pregnant, you wouldn't be here today. You would have died in his gene pool, and we would have never had the privilege of getting to know you. And so what we must remember is this. What happened in the Garden of Eden? We call it the fall. It's when Adam sinned. There was just Adam and Eve there, the serpent and God. But what happened in the life of Adam at that moment happened to all of us. Why? Because we were all in Adam. And so sometimes when you think about sin in your life, when you think about sin that seems to run rampant in our nation and across the world, which it does, sometimes we think, well, that's them over there, and, you know, that really has nothing to do with me. Well, according to Ephesians chapter 2, it has much to do with you and me because we were born in Adam. And so that's what we're going to look at here this morning. Ephesians 2 verse 1 Paul says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So, my friend, what he's saying here in the first portion of this verse is, in Adam, we're born spiritually dead. And so, you say, what does that mean? We're born without the life of God within us. You see, when Adam sinned in the garden, the life of God went out of Adam. And every child that's ever been born since that moment is born a sinner separated from God. Now, I've got a little girl. She's not but five. I mentioned her a moment ago. Sometimes I think, you know, how could you call her a sinner? She's so sweet. But there's other times I would say, yeah, she's a sinner, (laughs) no doubt about it. But the truth is this. Sometimes we don't see sin for what it is. Sometimes we think more about the actions instead of the very nature of the person. And so Paul said that we're dead. And not just dead. Paul says we're dead in trespasses. The Greek word translated trespasses is paraptuma, which means a falling aside when one should have stood upright. 
This word conveys the idea of falling aside from truth and righteousness. But not only did Paul say that we're dead in trespasses, he also said that we're dead in sins. The word translated sins is derived from ham artia, which means to miss the mark, to wander from the right path, to go wrong, and to do wrong. Now, sometimes this is what we think. Because the robber and murderer and drunkard and the rapist and child abuser are so obviously evil, listen to me closely, we readily agree that they are sinners. In our hearts, we consider ourselves to be respectable citizens since we do none of these horrible things. And so, these terms, though they bring us face to face with the reality of sin, somehow the sin in our life doesn't seem so obvious to us because we don't do those bad things. But according to the Word of God, all of us were born in Adam. We're born with a sinful nature that we inherited from Him. And so, therefore, in our activities, in our speech, in our behavior, there is sin. So the truth from God's Word is this. My friend, by birth, we're sinners. By choice, we're sinners. And even by practice, we're sinners. Until we come to that point and to that conclusion, realizing I may not be a robber or a murderer, but according to the Word of God, I'm still going to be separated from God, even though I'm not a robber, not a murderer, but I'm still going to be separated from God at death because I've never been born again. Both of us at that point, with that sin nature, even if you've lived a good life, both will slip into an eternity without Christ. You say, well, that doesn't seem too fair. Well, when you look at the cross, it seems very fair. And so, Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, therefore, just as through one man, now he's speaking of, of Adam here, just through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. I want you to notice it says all men. It doesn't say all women, guys. We know that women do not sin, right? Just kidding. He said that death has spread to all men. It doesn't matter who you are, what kind of family you came from, how respectable you are. You were born with a sinful nature that keeps you to this very day possibly separated from God. And because of this, our natural state, God sees us as dead in trespasses and sins. Now, I want you to think about what's going on in our nation right now. Think about what's going on. There's so much confusion right now. It's absolutely, it's unbelievable. But think about who are the peoples in leadership in our country, whether present leadership or past or future. More than likely, because the Bible says the road that leads to destruction is a wide road, and many people are on that road. The road that leads to eternal life is a narrow road, and there's only a few on that road. So what this is saying is most of our leaders are not children of God. And so what they are doing, they're acting naturally from who they are. They're not children of God, they're children of Satan. And so therefore, when we see what's happening in, in our nation, when we see what's happening in our educational system, in philosophy, in science, and in the arts, and we say how wicked we're becoming, it's all because of what we're talking about right now, what we were in Adam. That's what's happening. 
That's where you can trace it all back to. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Listen, have you ever tried to witness to somebody and you could just tell they were looking at their watch and you could just tell it was the furthest thing from their minds and you may have had heaviness on your heart. Maybe it was a family member and you could tell that was the last thing they were thinking about. They just weren't really interested. They were just kind of waiting for you to get through. You know why? They're not rejecting you, my friend. Listen, they can't even comprehend and discern and sense what you feel so deeply about. You need to expect them to be that way until the Holy Spirit of God comes upon them. And then that'll change everything. Why? Because they're doing what comes natural. Paul said, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, I had some dear friends give me a GPS system, global positioning system. And I love that thing because I travel so much. I can put in the address. I can drop into Atlanta or wherever I might go, and I put in the address and get in a car, and it takes me right to where I'm supposed to be. It's absolutely amazing. It's because it's communicating with a satellite. But listen, if the inside of that GPS, if somebody took the inside of that out, I'd be in trouble. I'd turn it on, and... Nothing would happen. It wouldn't communicate with the satellite, and I wouldn't get. I'd have to do like we used to do back in the old days. I'd have to stop at a service station and hear directions from five different people and still not get there on time. Listen, according to the Word of God, everybody that's ever been born, because we were born in Adam, we're born with a bent away from God. In other words, we're born in such a way, dead in our trespasses and sins. Listen, no matter how hard you may want someone to understand, listen, they can't even process that way. It is impossible without spiritual life, dead in trespasses and sins. And some of you, you young people here this morning, sometimes you may wonder, you know, why is my mother, why does she love to study the Word? Why is she involved in these Bible studies? It's because, my dear friend, your mother loves God. Your mother's a child of God. She's no longer in Adam. She's in Christ Jesus. She, her GPS system is full of the Spirit of God, and she's in tune with God. And you say, but I'm not like that. That can change today. You say, are you telling me that I'm still in Adam? Blame it on Paul. Paul's the one who said it. You're still in Adam, ma'am. Or maybe it's the husband. And you say, you know, my wife, boy, she's the preacher in the family. You ever hear that? Everybody kind of jokes about it. Or maybe it's the other way around. My husband's not a preacher, but you'd think he was one. And you really don't understand it. Do you realize more than likely it's because you're still in Adam and he's in Christ? Have you ever thought about that may be the reason? It may not be that he's a Jesus freak. He's been lit by the Holy Spirit of God. And he's happy in Jesus. And one day when he breathes his last breath, for him it'll be absent from the body, present with the Lord. Paul said, in Adam, we're all dead. But not only that, he said, we're deceived. Look at uh, verse 2, the first part. He says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Before we became Christians, our deadness to spiritual things, it showed up in our behavior. And in our speech, 
We walked according to the course of this world. Listen to me. Have you not noticed how the world has so creeped into our local church that when you walk into many churches nowadays, and I've been to churches all over the United States, large and small, and sometimes I think I'm walking into a bar room. Satan's influence is just like that. It is everywhere you go, everywhere you look, Satan's fingerprints are everywhere. Amen? You say, well, I can't see that. Listen, the reason you may not can see it, I love you, so listen. The reason you may not can see it is because you're still in Adam, you're not in Christ, and you can't discern spiritual things. You say, but I'm in church this morning, Chris. What does that say to you? Well, it says maybe you're searching still. After 20 years, you're still searching. I don't know. Only you can know that. But Paul is saying here that we walked according to the power and controlling course of the world. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world, listen, the world is passing away. If you're loving this world, listen, you'll never be able to get all that you think you want to get. This world, my friend, is passing away. You say, well, I don't think it's passing away. I can tell you this, you're passing away. Look in the mirror. Even the most beautiful person here has a few wrinkles right here. We're dying daily. These are just our earth suits. Do you realize the real you is inside the body? These will drop away. The real part of you that's eternal is your soul and your spirit. My friend, which are you taking more care of and nourishing the most? Your body that's passing away, going back to the dust, or your soul and your spirit that can only be nourished by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit of God who lives in you if you're no longer in Adam? You see why the church has become weak? Do you realize our Southern Baptist churches are not what they should be? It's not just here. Listen, it's everywhere. We're weak. Our convention is weak. Young ministers are no longer wanting to be known as Southern Baptists because of messages like these. You know, if we're not careful, we can become so seeker-friendly that we don't really hold up real truth. My friend, when you have something wrong with you, my wife has just gone through breast cancer, and when you have something wrong with you, you want radical, whatever the doctor tells you, even if it's radical, you say yes. Amen? But I want to tell you something far more important than having cancer or something physical is, listen, not being ready for God when He comes back. That is eternal, my friend. That's forever. And so, Paul says that we're dead. Paul said that we're deceived, and Paul also says that we're disobedient. Ephesians, look at uh, verse 2 there, the second part. The Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. You know what he's saying here is this, and I know it doesn't sound good, but it's just the truth. Listen to me carefully. The sons of disobedience, you know what he's saying? He's saying that every child ever been born, all of us in here, when we were born, we were born sons and daughters of the disobedient one who's Satan. In other words, when you come into this world, my friend, you don't come into God's kingdom because your mother and father were staunch Southern Baptists. 
and because you're on the cradle roll of the church, my friend, that's not it. We're born separated from God until that day comes when you realize, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And you look at the cross and you put your trust where God has put your sin on Jesus. My friend, until you come to that point, you're still lost, though you may be a very, very nice, pleasant, orderly, cultured, refined, educated person. You say, I just don't believe that. Well, then listen, if you're perfect in and of yourself, you would never physically die. Paul said... When sin came into the world, death came with it. The reason we're dying is because sin came into the world. It affected all of us from the beginning because what happened to Adam in the garden, because we were all in him, happened to all of us. We were born dead in our trespasses and sins. We were born deceived and disobedient. Do you have to teach a child how to misbehave or how to behave? You have to teach them how to behave. Where do they learn how to misbehave? They were born that way, right? You were born that way. And listen, until that is covered by the blood of Christ, until His Spirit comes into your spirit, you're still dead in your trespasses and sins, though you may be a very nice person. You're still lost. You're in Adam. And you're not in Christ. But not only that, Paul said that we're corrupt. We're corrupt. Look at... Uh, Verse 3 here, the first part. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Before we accepted Christ, we were controlled by natural desire. Natural desire is what Paul meant by lust of the flesh. Now, the word flesh here refers to human nature. You can take that word flesh that Paul is talking about here, turn that word around backwards and drop the H, and it spells self. Much of what we're struggling with is self. A lot of what we blame Satan for, he didn't do. We did it. The three musketeers, me, myself, and I. See, if we're not careful, we'll blame everything on Satan and have everybody, let's, let's pray, bind Satan. That sounds good. And it's biblical. But listen, let me tell you what we need more than anything we need men and women to come out of Adam and be placed into Christ Jesus, being dwelt by His Holy Spirit so that we can see the fruit of His Spirit come through their life. As one of the deacons prayed this morning, as they yield themselves to Him moment by moment, that's what we need more than anything. Everything else will just turn back up right, and we won't be able to explain it. We won't be able to lay claim to it. So Paul says that we're corrupt, but he also says we're hopeless. Now, you say, well... I wanted a message on positive thinking. I can actually do a great message on positive thinking. But to do it this morning, I'd be out of the will of God. He told me to do this message. But he said we're hopeless. Look at a second part of verse 3 there in Ephesians 2. And we're by nature children of wrath just as the others. The word translated children here means children by natural descent. We were born of sinful parents into a sin-cursed world. We were born possessed of a bent towards sin. And because of this, sin has so clouded our minds that we cannot clearly think about the real true nature of God. So we came into this world without God and without hope. You know, and I've traveled so much, I've been to so many countries, sometimes I think, and I love America, I love this country. 
And we need to take it back is what we need to do. But sometimes I think because things have been so nice for so long, it keeps us from seeing what we really are. In other words, when everything's wonderful, I mean, you got plenty of money to buy what you need, live where you want to go, do vacation. It's hard sometimes to see how much like the world we've already become. We're blinded by our wealth and prosperity. In a lot of ways, I believe we're like the Laodicean church. We can't see the fact that we're blind, miserable, and naked. Secondly, what God did, God put Christ in you. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, look at 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Listen to me. We were born in Adam, that's who we were. We were born dead in our trespasses and sins. We were deceived. We were disobedient. We were corrupt, and we were hopeless. Now, number two, what did God do? He put Christ in you. You think about it. There was no reason that God had to do this except the fact that God chose to do it because He is a God of love. Because there was nothing about you and me, there was nothing about us at all that was attractive to Him. Because remember, we were born dead in our trespasses and sins, totally separated from God. But because God, our Heavenly Father, because He was rich in love and mercy, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, the Bible says He made us alive together with Christ. Do you realize, my friend, the Holy Spirit lives in you? He put Christ in you, at the moment of your salvation, whenever it was, whether it's this church or some church when you were a child, at that moment, whether you know it or not, the Spirit of God came into your spirit. Yes, you were in Adam. God took you out of Adam. He placed you in Christ Jesus. Yes, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God, my friend, came inside of your spirit. Man is made up spirit, soul, and body. And he came into your spirit. That's where your conscience is, your intuition. That's where you can commune with God. Your soul is where your mind is, where you think. Your will, where you make choices. And your emotions, where you feel. And most of our churches are so emotions-oriented that we're starving our spirit by the neglect of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. And this has been going on for 30, 40 years now, and we see what we have. We're weak in the things of God. And so the Spirit of God comes in you, Christ in you. You could, you could say this of Siamese twins. You ever seen Siamese twins? At the moment of your salvation, when you realize, I am a sinner and I need a Savior, at that moment, listen, my friend, the Spirit of God came into your spirit just like that. You're in one with Him. He's in you, and you're in Him. He looks through your eyes. He listens with your ears. He speaks with your lips. He loves other people from your heart. He serves other people with your hands. He walks in your steps. Christ is in you. Think about how many times the, the Apostle Paul said Christ in you. What he was talking about, my friend, is this. He was talking about the fact that the Spirit of God now lives in you. You say, well, I don't think he's there. You must be born again. You're still in Adam. He's either there, my friend, or he's not there. What God did, he put Christ in you. 
Jesus speaking to his disciples before his crucifixion, knowing he would be leaving them, he encouraged them and all of us with these words. Listen to this. In John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, listen to what Jesus said. Listen to me carefully. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. Notice, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be, what? In you. Do you see, my friend, listen, if you truly are a child of God, The third member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, He lives in you right now. He doesn't come and go. He's there forever. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Listen, are you experiencing Jesus in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Are you experiencing Him in and through your life? Do people see and hear the beauty of Jesus in you when they're around you? Think about that. I remember when I first began to think about that. For so many years, even though I was saved at the age six, I viewed God as sitting on a throne, always looking at me, always being disappointed. I don't know why, but somehow I never saw God from the moment of my salvation forward for 20 years. I never saw the fact that he lived in Chris Hodges. And then one day I was listening to someone preach, and he said, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, self-control. He said, that's the fruit of the Spirit. But he, then he said, notice, it's not the fruit of the Christian. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You see, a Christian can't imitate the fruit of God. That would be a cheap imitation. That'd be like painted fire. It won't burn. So you can't imitate Jesus by trying to look and carry yourself and act the way Jesus would act. When you begin to realize, you know, if I'm a child of God, the Spirit himself lives in me. And if I'll get out of the way and abide in him, his Holy Spirit will live his life through me moment by moment, day by day. And when people see you, they'll see Jesus. Amen? You know, I, I really believe this church could fill up, and all Southern Baptist churches would fill up, if the people in the church would begin to walk in the Spirit. Listen, you may have a great personality. You may be one of those you walk in a room and they say the room lights up. You may be Mr. Personality, Miss Personality, everybody loves you, but your influence is not used for God. Listen, when it's real and it's genuine, it's the Holy Spirit of God living in and through you. But not only, my friend, listen, not only did God put Christ in you at the moment of your salvation, he lit your lamp, so to speak. Not only that, but he put you in Christ. He put you in Christ. My friend, if you truly are a child of God, he sees you already in heaven, already accepted, secure in him, and complete in him. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7, let's look back at our text. And raised us up, notice that, raised us up, together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You know what Paul said in Philippians 3.20? He said, for our citizenship is in heaven. Listen, you know what Paul is saying? We're already there. Not going to be in heaven. Well, when I die, I'm going to heaven. No, if you're a child of God, according to the word of God, the fact that God puts you in Christ, my friend, you're already there. You're already there. You say, well, I don't know if I understand this. 
Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 20. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Think about this. If you truly are a child of God, you're no longer in Adam, my friend. Listen carefully. You're no longer in Adam. You're in Christ. And, and Jesus just said, in that day you will know that I am in my Father. Now picture Jesus being in the Father. And then he said, I'm in you, and you in me. How much safer can you be? And what more do you need than the fact that I'm in Christ and Christ is in me? What more do you need? You say, well, I just need some more beauty. Beauty diminishes. I need more money. Money will go overnight, right? Well, I just want more prestige and power. I want to walk and go places, and I want everybody to know me wherever I go. Listen, why do you need any of that if you're getting your significance in this? I'm no longer in Adam, I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me. Amen? That will carry you all the way to the grave. Amen? It'll carry you all the way there. And you'll be happy in Jesus, even if you're maybe not doing the job you'd, you, you would like to do. Or maybe if your marriage is not all that you thought it would be. God will still give you joy unspeakable in the midst of any hardship you may go through in the, in the future because you see things from an eternal perspective, not a temporary one. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things on earth grow what? Strangely dim. Why does it go strangely dim? It's because slowly... But surely, this is what happens. When you choose to change the way you think, I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. What happens is this. Slowly but surely, you become less worldly. And instead of trying to see how much more we can make things like the world so I can enjoy both, the things of the world becomes very distasteful for you. And you find yourself saying, all I want is Christ and Christ alone. Amen? I'm telling you the truth. These are the answers that are ailing us as individuals and our local churches. Now, what does Paul mean when he says, raised us up, Chris? When was I lying down with Christ? Well, look at the picture again on the screen and see that middle cross. Notice that middle cross. You can see the outline of Jesus in the background of that cross, and then you see the believer hanging there. I was living above the study of Dr. Stephen Oper, not too far from here. And one day I opened up a simple little Bible lesson, and I saw a picture of a cross that showed Jesus hanging on that cross, and it showed the believer hanging on that cross with Jesus. Now, I was in seminary at that time, and I was living above the study of Stephen Oford, and I, when I saw that picture, I realized there is something in that picture that I don't personally know. And I never will forget, I just felt overwhelmed with emotion, and I started crying, and so I stretched out on the floor, and I, and I prayed. And I began to thank God for what He was just about to show me. And then I went back to my desk, and I began to read the children, listen, the children's commentary on what it means to be crucified with Christ. That's not something you do daily, my friend. That's something that happened long ago. You've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. This is what it means. Listen, 
if, I, if I've lost your attention, listen to me closely. Not only did Jesus die for you, you've been hearing that for 40 years and you'll continue to hear it. Not only did he die for your sin, listen, he also died with you on the cross. In the mind of God, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, you were hanging there with him. He died for your sin. He died with yourself. He died for you, my friend, and he died as you on the cross. And you see, that this is how God took you out of Adam and placed you in Christ. He nailed you to the, to the cross with his son, Jesus. You say, that's not in the Bible. Brother, it's all through the Bible. And if you read Paul's epistles, my friend, everywhere you look, you see Christ in you and you in Christ. The reason he said it so many times is because it's the foundation of all we believe. It's the full meaning of the cross. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. We saw it this morning in the baptism. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united, notice, united together in the likeness of his death, crucified with Christ, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection." And then Colossians 3, 1 through 3, listen to this. If then you were raised with Christ, well, if you're being raised with Christ, you must have been in the tomb with him. You were in the tomb with him. Why? Because, listen, you were crucified with him. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, not the fashions of the world, not who's who, not where you live, what you drive. All that is passing away, my friend. He said, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are here on earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. There lies your significance. Amen? You say, well, what does that mean? In the baptistry up here, when they baptize, every single Sunday when they baptize, always remember this message. When they're standing up there together in the water, that is a picture of that young man this morning. He's been co-crucified with Christ. He's been buried in the tomb with Christ. He's been raised with Christ, and it doesn't stop there. According to the Word of God, when Jesus ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives, he ascended to heaven, the Bible says, he sat down by the right hand of the Father. So let me ask you this, where are you? In Christ Jesus, seated right now by the right hand of the Father. Not I'm going to get there, not I hope so, but complete, secure, justified, redeemed. My friend, it all happened at the cross. So much more happened at the cross. Most people never see the full picture. And the reason so many Christians are so unhappy and so depressed and Lifeway Bookstore is filled with books on meeting the emotional needs of the people is because they don't know yet who they are in Christ Jesus. And when they begin to see that, my friend, it'll change everything about them as a friend of mine told me one time, when his wife began to understand this truth, he said, Chris, it's like I'm living with another woman, but it's legal. Filled with the Holy Spirit of God, joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, self-control. I want to ask you, my friend, where do you get your significance? Where do you get your identity? Is it the emblem on your clothes? For you ladies, is it the shape of your legs? The shape of your body, the beauty, where do you get your significance? My friend, all that's going to lead you into depression, and you'll have to have a pill to sedate you to get over your depression instead of knowing I got the Holy Spirit of God to sedate me in all trouble that I'll ever go through. And men, where do you get your significance? 
You, your membership at the right golf course, you got the right shoes, the clothes, the right club, the right swing, or I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. What more do you need, my friend, than that? And we wonder why we become so anemic. We wonder why there's no power in our life. We're wondering what's happening. Listen, we can't blame it on the world. The world is doing what comes natural. We're the only ones, my friend, that are supernatural because we're in Christ and Christ is in us. It is finished is what he said. God can't do any more than he's already done. Do you realize most of our prayers are begging and pleading God to give us what he's already given us in Christ Jesus? My friend, we're rich, but we don't know it. And when I was at the Southern Baptist Convention, all of us just went to our knees and prayed when they told us this. Since the founding of the Southern Baptist Convention, our convention has received billions of dollars since the founding of it. And then they began to say, okay, what did we spend it on? By far, listen, by far we spend it on ourselves to make things nicer for ourselves while this world filled with sons and daughters of Adam are going straight to hell. We've wasted it. On things that are going to stay here, we've wasted it. Don't you know God's not angry? He's not angry. He already knew. He knows everything. He's grieved. And you know why he's so grieved? It's because he loves so deeply. And to the same degree, and we know there's no measure of God's love. Listen, we know there's no measure of God's love. Do you realize because he can love that deep, he grieves that same depth? Is he not grieved? My friend, are you in Christ? Is Christ in you? Third and last thing is this. Who are you now? My friend, you were in Adam. But praise God, even though we were dead in trespasses and sins, couldn't do anything, couldn't do a dance or anything to make him love us. Because he is a God of love and mercy, he chose to take us dead in our trespasses and sins and make us alive in Christ by sending his Holy Spirit into our spirit. And not only that, he took us out of Adam and placed us in Christ. He took us out of Satan's kingdom as sons and daughters of the disobedient one and put us in Christ. He took us out of hell and put us into heaven. So who are you now? Last thing is this. We are his workmanship. You say, what does that mean? It means God's masterpiece. You and I, my friend, we're masterpieces of God. You and I, we're works of art. We are a poem to God. And the Bible says for all eternity, he's going to point to us as trophies of his grace. G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. We got all the riches of God. You say, what does that mean? My friend, you're no longer in Adam. You're in Christ, and the Spirit of God is in you. How much more do you need? You're rich. And for all eternity, I can just see the angels are going to look at us and say, you know what? He didn't die for us, but he died for them. And they were wretched, miserable, and naked. You want to heal this church and churches all across this? If everybody would say, no matter what anybody else will do, though none go with me, I'm going to walk under the power and control of the Holy Spirit and whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to live picturing myself in Christ Jesus. Because the Bible says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
Listen, young people, I love you, so listen, wherever you are. If you get fixed on an entertainer or some star that everybody admires, listen, you begin to wear your hair like her, dress like her, get fixed on her. When people see you walk right through here, they'll say, boy, she reminds me of so-and-so. Are you ashamed? You say, not really, I like that. You're in Adam, you must be born again. Listen, ladies, please. Begin to see yourself in Christ. Know that He's in you. And when you go to your closet and say, what am I wearing today? Say, God, what would you have me wear today so that nothing I might wear, no matter how I move my body, where I might go, what I may say, would ever distract anybody from anything other than seeing the loveliness of you in me. And then choose what to put on after you do that. Amen? And men, think about your own life. What are you driving to achieve and obtain? Are you driving to try to get something that you think, when I get there, I'm going to be satisfied because you will not? If you truly are a child of God, my friend, you're no longer in Adam, and Christ lives in you. You should be able to do like Jesus. He sat down by the right of the Father, and he rested because why? I am complete in him. And get your significance in that, in that alone. A man named Eugene Peterson, he wrote uh, the Message Bible. I want you to just listen to what he wrote. Now, he wrote this in a way that it would be like God is speaking to you. Listen to what he wrote. It's like God is speaking to you right now. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose His temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, He embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on His own with no help from us. Then He picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we had done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. Listen, my friend, if you are paying any attention at all to what's going on in our world, you know things are strange, aren't they? There's a parallel. Not only in our nation are we trying to rewrite our history, which was a godly history and heritage, but not only that, my friend, it, there is a parallel that you can see happening in our local church. This area in which we live has always been considered the buckle of the Bible belt. But I'm telling you what, people are no longer looking at us that way. We've become so weak in our churches that now the world looks at us with skepticism like never before. It's not so much they're rejecting our God, my friend, they're rejecting us because we're so much like them. 
We're double-minded and we're unstable in all our ways. In the Bible, Noah's ark in the Old Testament is a type of Christ. And so, I want you to picture for a moment Noah's ark. I want you to picture that being a type of Christ. I want you to picture the fact that Noah built that ark and people laughed at him because in that time, there was no such thing as rain. The water came up from the ground. And he kept telling them it's going to be a flood that's going to cover the whole earth. And they laughed. And they went about high, wide, and handsome doing what they wanted to do. And then one day, it started sprinkling just a little bit. And people began to think, maybe crazy Noah, maybe he was right. And then it began to rain harder and harder. But see, it was too late. Noah and his family and the animals were already in the ark. And you know the Bible says when they all got safely in the ark in Christ, the Bible says God closed the door, not Noah. Listen, when you become a child of God, God takes you out of Adam. He seals you there by the Holy Spirit. Listen, my friend, this aisle right here, this aisle right here, and all these aisles, Picture, these aisles come down here to Christ. Picture the ark, picture Christ. My friend, if the Spirit of God has spoken to you this morning, I want you to get up out of your seat, and I want you to come forward, and we're going to pray with you so that you can ask Christ to come into your heart. And when He does, His Holy Spirit comes in you. God takes you out of Adam. He places you in Christ. Listen. Look around. Go home today and just watch the news for 15 minutes. It is raining. Jesus, my friend, is coming very soon. And some of you here, there's no way I can know, you're still in Adam. You need to come this morning and let God put you in Christ and put Christ in you. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you say, Chris, what must I do to be saved? Chris, I realize I'm in Adam. I'm, I'm not in Christ. I need to be saved. My friend, look at the cross in your mind. That's right. Look at the cross right now in your mind. Picture Jesus hanging on the cross. Listen to him cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? My friend, the reason, listen, the reason he was doing that right then is because, my friend, he was dying for your trespasses and sins, all of ours. And my friend, there's only one way you're going to get from here to heaven. My friend, it's going to have to be when you put your trust where God has put your sin on Jesus. This is the moment. This is the time for you to come forward and take one of these ministers by the hand that will be at the head of the, these aisles. And you say, I don't even know what to say. You don't have to say anything or you can simply say, I'm trusting Jesus. That's all you have to say. I'm trusting Jesus. They will take you with a copy of God's Word and lead you from there. You've been listening to Abiding Above with Chris Hodges. For more information, go to our website, abidingabove.org, or write Post Office Box 3916, Cordova, Tennessee, 38088. God bless you and make you a blessing.